0: Support from Market foolery comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interest in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at QuickenLoans.com. fool it's Wednesday, March twenty second. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined in studio here by Matt Argersinger and Jason Moser from Motley Fool Million Dollar Portfolio. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey. You ready to roll? Of course. Ready to roll. Okay. Always. Well, let's get right to it. Shares of Nike down on Wednesday. Jason, Nike reporting better than expected earnings, but some disappointing revenue.
1: Yeah, and we're kind of pulling for this one to come down a little bit. We've got it on the watch list in MDP and really have uh, just been waiting for, for a bit more of an attractive price. I, I think that leading into this, there were probably, I think, some expectations that the, the sort of the shortcomings of Under Armour. Uh, the challenges that companies like Adidas have continued to face, um, or at least the perceived challenges, would lead to uh, gains for Nike, and, and that clearly is not the case here. And I think if we go deeper than just sort of the, the revenue figures and the earnings per share numbers, um, I think the concern really that the market has today is the futures orders that Nike reports. And it's interesting to me that like. A couple of quarters ago, so Nike used to be very transparent with their futures numbers. They were actually in the press release that they put on the website, um, and it was just really easy to find. It was something they always touted because they were always really good. <laughs> they were always lobbing up these double-digit futures numbers, and that just was an indicator that the demand was there. Um, and in a couple of quarters ago, they they took that out of the release and really only started uh, giving us that information via the earnings call. And and they sort of deem it as like we'll give it to you as we see fit, you know, when we feel like it's 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 really relevant. But I, the thing is, it's becoming more and more competitive in that space. Their futures numbers are starting to, I think, take a hit because primarily of competition in in the industry. I think retail in general is facing some challenges as well. But but I don't think really that's something that investors should be concerned with in regard to Nike. I think that with Nike, it's it's generally competition. The gross margin is is a bit of a concern there. That's okay, though, because where Nike's really strong, it's a big company, and they're really good at bringing it down to the bottom line. And So, when you look at their operating margin, and they're able to record this operating margin in the 12%, 13 14% range, that's where a company like Under Armour is aiming to get to at some point when they become a little bit bigger. So, all in all, not the greatest quarter, but the stock was probably a little bit ahead of itself anyway, so it's nice to see a little pullback.
2: Yeah, More and more, it looks like a we're having a U.S. or North American retail struggle challenge because I mean, if you look at Nike's international, most of their international markets uh, were up double digits. Yeah, and we China's in s- fuego. And we saw the same thing uh, with Under Armour, and so uh, that makes me feel like this this malaise we're kind of in is a little bit transitory. And when you, and brands like Nike, Under Armour, uh, Lululemon, others will will probably do better down the road. Um, I'll just point this out, though. I mean, yeah, we've taken a good look at in MDP. It's on our watch list, as Jason said, and it's getting pretty close to a buy for us. But I'd say the one thing that's really impressive with Nike is the buybacks. You know, they've they've got a 12 billion dollar repurchase plan in place. A lot of companies do this, but no one really, no one's really done it as meaningfully uh, as Nike has. At least uh, of companies I've looked at recently, And Nike they've spent uh, about four billion of that 12 billion so far. They've bought bought back about 10 percent of the stock over the last few years, uh, and so it's nice to see that if you're a shareholder and it kind of when you see that when you see a meaningful buyback buy, buy like that, the I kind of look at the stock of, of a company and say, well, it's kind of coiling, it's it's tightening, it's tightening, and when the business improves, that uh, that stock could spring higher.
0: Well, let's talk about that. So over the next five years, when you look at those two companies, Nike and Under Armour, which one do you like more?
2: Well, uh, we we own Under Armour and MDP, yeah. so I have to say, of course, we like <laughs> we we like Under Armour more. I think if you have a long enough time horizon. You can take and you can take a little more volatility. I think you can do better with Under Armour, but I have to say I, I like Nike at today's price too.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's. Most people probably won't want to hear this. as apples and oranges, really. I think that if you're looking for an upside story, there, I think Under Armour by far and away has more upside potential that comes, of course, with more risk. But I think that the big sell-off in Under Armour here recently was less about the fundamentals of the business and more about expectations that were laid out from the very beginning. I mean, management had painted this rosy picture and given us this really, in hindsight, very pie-in-the-sky sort of guidance, and they threw everything out the window here over the past couple of quarters. And so, as optimistic as we were, or as everyone was, on, on Under Armour a year ago, I, I think it, that, that pendulum has shifted the other direction, and we're just as pessimistic today. So it, it you maybe kind of look for the middle ground there, and you probably um, have have a more reasonable uh, expectations with Under Armour. As Matty was saying with Nike, I mean, the growth isn't going to be there, but they companies of this size that are this reliable that are leaders in their industry can sort of manufacture that growth via things like share repurchases. And and so with repurchases, as long as that share count is coming down in a meaningful way, that is going to impact the share price over longer periods of time because you just don't have as many shares outstanding. And uh, so with Nike and, and the share repurchases, the dividends, I think there's plenty of room to grow that dividend because right now at a one point, you know, one and a quarter percent yield, for me, with a business as reliable and as strong as Nike, that dividend should should really be higher. Um, I think there's room in a portfolio for both. I mean, my daughters own both stocks. They're going to own them for many, many years to come. And and as as we were saying, I mean, Nike is right there uh, on the cusp of of buy territory for us in in million-dollar portfolio. It's a very high-quality business. It's always been sort of a price thing, and we feel like it's getting close.
0: Well, speaking of pessimism, Sears. (laughs) (laughs) Shares of Sears just getting ripped on Wednesday after the company said that it had, quote, substantial doubt, end quote, about its ability to survive. Matt, here's what surprises me about this, is the way the market reacted. Because I think a lot of us yesterday and last week and last month would have thought, you know what? Sears probably isn't going to make it.
2: And yet, the stock really selling off today. What's going on here? Well, there's always been this, the story behind Sears has not been, you know, the power of this retail business. Because I think as, as early as even ten years ago you could've probably looked around the retail landscape and said, you know, Sears and Kmart, which they're combined, probably not gonna be the winners in retail, you know, in the long run. But the story was, well, you had Eddie Lampert, who came in, a successful banker at Goldman Sachs, a hedge fund manager at ESL Investments from like the late 80s that did really well, a reputation of sort of being the next Warren Buffett, and he engineers this, he acquires Kmart through his hedge fund and then engineers this merger, I think about twelve or thirteen years ago now with Sears. And the idea was, well, yeah, it's the retail business isn't great, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we have great real estate. We have Kenmore appliances. We have uh, Craftsman tools. We've got the Land's End business, and we're gonna sell some of these. We're gonna spin them off. We're gonna monetize them, uh, and you know, we're gonna be able to buy back a lot of stock, which they actually did at really high prices. And so, as an investment, you thought, wow, this is great. I've got, I've got the next Warren Buffett, who's got this vehicle. Uh, You know, it's almost as if. When Warren, when Warren Buffett bought Berkshire Hathaway, the textile mill, no one thought the textile mill business in the 60s or 70s was going to be a great business, but it was. It ended up being Warren Buffett's vehicle. And I think a lot of people looked at this with Eddie Lampert uh, and said, "You know, this is the vehicle, and investors are going to do fine." Uh, but I, again, I'll fall back on, on one of Warren Buffett's own quotes here. You know, when a management with a reputation for brilliance tackles a business with a reputation for bad economics, it is the reputation of the business that remains intact. And I think. What Eddie Lampert and probably a lot of Sears, uh, Sears shareholders didn't realize was just this retail business was bad. If you don't invest in it, uh, it's going to, it's becoming less and less relevant. And Sears was already becoming less relevant, not really because of e-commerce or things we look at today, but because of Walmart, Target, Costco, to even a certain extent. And so, and then e-commerce is now layered on top of that, and customers just aren't going to Sears anymore. Yeah, it seems like they took a really
1: easy business. I mean, retail at its core is a very easy business to understand. And so, when you're investing in anything retail related, it shouldn't be that difficult to kind of get from point A to point B and figuring out the thesis and sort of where you think that stock could go. But investing in Sears was was anything but easy because there were so many pieces to to what was going on. It was figuring out how to assign value to not only brands but potential real estate there, and and that was sort of always the fallback. Was oh well yeah the retail business sucks, but at least there's this real estate on the balance sheet, and and that sort of you know serves serves as sort of a floor for the stock price, and it obviously wasn't the case because real estate of course is is uh, gonna be subject to just this nature of supply and demand as well uh, so I I mean for me yeah like Sears the the best <laughs> the best case scenario for Sears at this point I think Amazon buys their real estate for pennies on the dollar turns it into distribution and Sears goes away because I mean the world clearly does not need it
0: and if you're a shareholder of Sears or if you're a shareholder of a stock I'm very that's sorry. just sold off what do you do in this case? Do you cut your losses, or do you say, you know what, at this point, I might as well just hang on? I mean, that's a good question. I I think that 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 depends on the nature of the business, right? I mean, I think, like, I'll use
1: Twitter as an example versus Sears, okay? I think you can look at two businesses there and and say, well, with Sears, you look at that, and I I don't know that there's any underlying value there at all. I mean, perhaps there is with the real estate, but again, they're desperate sellers at this point. They've got to figure out a way to Unwind this thing and, and and get out of this without killing everyone. You look at something like with Twitter. I mean, we get this question a lot with with Twitter: Should I sell my my Twitter shares? I mean, if if you're diversified, then you probably don't own a heck of a lot of it anyway. And there's some underlying value to the platform. And it sounds well, it's like a, everybody else out there seems like they yeah. know how to monetize it better
2: than current managers. Well, it's, anyway, a, it's a, I think it's a good example, Jason. It's a relevancy thing, right? Yeah. Sears is, Sears is becoming more and more irrelevant to the average customer, retail customer in, in the United States, and Twitter Twitter despite its struggles is increasingly relevant at least we think it is to hundreds of millions of people around the world and so yeah I mean, and with Sears and you kind of said it at the top Mac but Sears put the going concern language in their latest filing anytime you read that for any business yeah. that there are doubts about you know of us being able to continue as a going concern you're you're that's a precursor to bankruptcy in most cases and so as a Sears shareholder i would strongly consider the idea of is there really that much value here? And wouldn't you do better taking your capital elsewhere?
0: Well, let's keep the retail theme going. If you love Costco but you hate going to Costco, <laughs> I have got news for you: um, a delivery service shipped. You got to be careful with that one. Shipped. S H I P T <laughs> um, announced this week that it'll start making runs to Costco to pick up orders for customers. Now, Jason Shipped is already working with the likes of Whole Foods, H E B, and Harris Teeter. What do you think of this move um, for Costco? Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I'm not a Costco member, and I don't witch. think I ever witch. will be.
1: Um, I, I, yeah, I think I, I'd rather. Uh, yeah, I, I, no offense to dentists out there, but I think I'd rather go to the dentist than go to Costco oh, any day of the week. Oh. But uh, Ooh, for witch. me, this, this, this—you mentioned Whole Foods there. I mean, this strikes me as sort of a. And aim at trying to do the right thing perhaps or trying to do something to keep in line with the way the market is changing, but it's not quite in your core competency. It's not really what you do. So I think I think that folks who are Costco members, Costco enthusiasts such as yourself, Mac, uh, you probably get a lot out of going to Costco. I mean, you you go to Costco for a reason. The treasure hunt. Love the treasure hunt. You you enjoy that, okay? And and I don't. Clearly, I am from Venus and you are from Mars.
0: This is true, but like (laughs) our very own Chris Hill, we were having this discussion before the taping today, and he 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 seemed to be much more open to this idea. Yeah. And I said, "But what about the treasure hunt? Like I love the treasure hunt. I went to Costco yesterday to exchange something for my wife. I didn't buy a thing and I was still happy I made the trip." <laughs> so, yeah, that that may be a sickness. But Chris was like, "The real Costco proposition is value." Yeah. And and if you really want the value and you don't care as much about the treasure hunt, this makes total sense. It does. But I
1: will say, you know, Boxed has been out there doing this for a long time, a lot longer than Costco is. And Boxed is very, very good at it. Now, it's also worth noting that Boxed will use Costco as a supplier in some cases. Uh, But again, I mean, Boxed is essentially your warehouse style shopping for the twenty first century. I mean it is the online yep. version of warehouse shopping. So again, I mean I, I applaud Costco for trying this. I'm not sure that it'll be really material to their business whatsoever because the online business itself is something like three percent of the total business a, right. as it stands. And
0: this is different than the online business.
1: Yeah. And so I mean I, I think that regardless, I mean they are online in in you know, that you're you're having your stuff delivered to you and, and chances are you're probably ordering it online to begin with. But either way uh, I mean, I think there are businesses out there that do this stuff way better than Costco does. I don't think this is this is really one of their strong suits. I think they're really good with the the physical footprint that they have, in making sure that they focus on delivering their customers what they promise, and that is value. Um, and, and as long as they keep doing that, I think Costco can can continue to do very well. I don't I don't know that really future generations of shoppers look at it as the same sort of value proposition as perhaps you do?
2: Well, I I would worry about the network effect issue here. Because if you think about it, I don't know what kind of other partners are going to be part of this shift and and what it could be, you know, what could it eventually evolve to. But to me, if I'm already paying $99 for Amazon Prime, and the network effect of Amazon is so huge, in other words, as a customer, I have a universe of options that is so vast compared to what I can get at Costco. Uh, And also, there's just thousands of third-party sellers on Amazon's platform that, if I'm looking for something uh, in, re- in the resale market or, or something very obscure, I can probably find it. Where At Costco, I'm kind of limited to what Costco deems is worthy within their inventory. And so, I, I worry about the value proposition of this if I, if I already have something like Amazon. And I'm so used to the free delivery and you know the, the quick logistics and all that stuff.
0: And so. this is just one more sign, right, that Amazon it seems to be just in everyone's head. If you're a business, if you're a retailer, but if you're a business, you've got to be thinking about Amazon uh, all the time. Well, the I mean,
1: all, yeah, all of the, I mean, physical retail out there. I mean, we're reading more and more and more how, like, I mean, the paradigm it, it, it's 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 shifted. I mean, it, it is a it is it is a completely different ball game today in retail. I mean, there just isn't the same value in maintaining that physical retail presence. It's a very difficult business to do sustainably well. Yeah, I mean it requires scale. It requires excellent customer service, and in today's world, I think maybe it was I—I don't know who said it. I saw it on Twitter. I mean, I think we've all said it to some capacity. But basically, Amazon has helped give people the opportunity to assign more value to their time. Yeah, and whereas. Value used to just be simple dollars and cents. Now it's not that way anymore. I mean, it's beyond dollars and cents, it's time. And if I can figure out a way to save any amount of time and get some redundant task like dog food out of the way without even having to think about it, the more and more we can see retail operations sort of solving for those problems. I think the better those retail operations are going to be and that just that yeah. was the foresight that Jeff Bezos had I think a long time yeah. ago and I, and I think that that Costco has done a very good job in sort of again giving their customers what they what they promise.
2: And I think the idea of yeah, the idea of clipping coupons, getting in the car, driving 30 minutes, trying to find parking, shopping it's still that's still relevant to many many people, but I think it's it's declining. In yeah, it's okay. You just don't have to do it. You
1: used to have to. That was the only choice. You know, 20 years ago. Now it's not the only choice. And and, and I think that when you have more choices, you you I think people just value their time a lot more so today than, than they did even 10 years ago. And I think that's a big thing.
0: But what about the free
1: samples? See, I don't. You're, you're, get not, that. you're not getting those on don't. Amazon. You're, you're not getting right. those Costco on wins. Amazon. Costco you're not wins. Costco wins on the free <laughs> yeah, samples. <right. laughs>
0: There we go. Okay, guys, before we get to our next story, I want to say a word about Rocket Mortgage. Choosing a mortgage lender is a big decision. You want to work with someone you can trust and someone who has your best interest in mind. With Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process, so you'll have the confidence to make an informed decision, and you can adjust the length and rate of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage with a lot less paperwork, Rocket Mortgage can help. So skip the banks, skip the waiting, go completely online at quickenloans.com/fool. Equal housing lender licensed in all fifty states, NMLS ConsumerAccess.org number thirty thirty. Okay, guys, for our final story, we are going to take a road trip here. Winnebago. It's not. It's not a company we talk a lot about, um, and and I think everyone loves the idea of Winnebago and RVs. Um, the stock up on Wednesday after better than expected earnings. Matt. What about the stock? What do we think?
2: I have to admit, this is not a company or a stock I've looked at uh, very often. I think with Winnebago, uh, the story for them this quarter, at least, was the, the towable segment, in other words, the the hatchback campers, RV, smaller RVs that are you know are pulled behind a truck or some other vehicle, and uh, that that did really well for them, and it was boosted by an acquisition they made a year ago of Grand Design, which is kind of an up and comer in the towable space. They bought the company. Winnebago didn't have a big towable segment. Uh, And they bought this uh, company about a year ago, and and they're they're seeing the benefits of that uh, this quarter. It makes sense, I guess. I mean, if you think about it, the and again, I don't know this business very well, but the idea of towing an RV with a with my fuel-efficient truck or or other SUV probably beats the idea of spending a lot of money in a motorized RV, which are difficult to park in some cases, guzzle a lot of gas. Uh, so I'm not surprised uh, because and so you contrast that total segment with their motorized segment which is their larger segment now was actually down 3%. So um but again they so they made a great acquisition and that's obviously they're benefiting from the trend towards tollable RVs. Is there an Airbnb for
1: like Winnebago? So you could go uh, like that's interesting. You know, Airbnb someone's Winnebago and take it for a week and Oh, I love do that thing.
0: I like that, but that seems almost too personal. I mean, really? I think, yeah. I mean, it's more the same so as that, a hotel room. Really. I mean, yeah, you Yeah, but cars are. I don't know. There's just gunk, and I, I don't it's, know. It's phenomenal. I <laughs> mean, I look at this business, and
1: I mean, every every metric you look at, and you think, eh, it's not really the most attractive sort of business. It's not something I would initially look at and say, oh yeah, I gotta own a piece no, of that. I mean, it's hugely it's, cyclical. It's uh, Cyclical. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and you got to kind of wonder about the really the future of, of RVs. How attractive is that? I mean, you got to have. A place to put it, you got to be able to
2: manage it. Max, we're talking Mac, about bathrooms. Max got things. A, I think Max got a future in RVs. This, <laughs> no, this, no, this is something you're interested no, in.
0: No, that's true. We talked before this segment. And, you know, tours. Yeah, I don't know why I'm, I'm making a distinction because <laughs> I could I could see and I have dreams of renting an RV and taking the family in a cross country trip. And uh, probably like regretting it within like 12 hours. You're um, <laughs> You're but, but I, Walmart, I love yeah. that idea. But, but there's something about the Airbnb model where it was someone else's RV and they're letting me use it. I don't know why I draw the. I make a distinction between those two. But I don't. You have visions of just getting in an RV and going coast to coast.
1: So I personally don't. I mean, that's just me. It's
0: not something. And why I really, is that? Is it is it the bathroom? You don't want to clean the bathroom. Definitely don't. Sounds almost unAmerican. Yeah, that does sound know, un-American. D- Come I d- I on. I don't want to
1: drive. I don't want to drive that thing. I just there. There are a lot of
2: reasons. I. What about
0: just, the family though?
2: Uh, you know, I've got an explorer. They all go in the car just nicely. There. <laughs> you know what I just like thought it of is pretty that pretty well. That great scene in Christmas Vacation when his cousin shows up with oh, the RV. Do you remember that? So great. He's emptying the the RV. <laughs> <full>. <laughs> uh, I think we'll have to blate that out. Oh, right. oh yeah. So, so I anyway. think I
1: mean it, it. If you look at the stock, and I was floored by this. Over the last five years, the stock is up threefold. Yep. This thing is is done very well, and and I think this is a good example of it's it's a it's an industry where maybe you're not really that attracted to the industry, but this is by far and away the name that you know it's in the industry yeah. absolutely i mean they've essentially defined it's like google right instead of searching for something you google it or it's well, like harley davidson if, I, if yeah. i'm thinking a motorcycle that's the first thing and, yeah. and, and, that and that's a great example there so i mean i think that's where their advantage really lies and i think that management has done a a good enough job managing the business, maybe having the foresight to make that acquisition and, and expand the business a little bit. Um, and, and if they're good capital allocators, then it works out well for shareholders. I mean, I, I would be very careful with this just in regard to the cyclicality of it. I can't imagine a business like this does very well in a recession.
0: But but, but to that point, baby boomers, more and more baby boomers retiring every day. So, I look at this as kind of a cruise ship play, right? It could I be. mean, you're downsizing, you've got money, Hopefully.
1: Now you're gonna hate me, but I don't like cruises either. I've never even uh, been on one. Who are you? (laughs) You got you gotta give it a shot. (laughs) You gotta give it a shot. Yeah. I don't know. It's good stuff. I see so many headlines with those carnival cruises that get stuck out in the middle of water and then like you're (laughs) pooing in a red bag or something and it just is (laughs)
0: just gets out of control. <laughs> well, there you go. We end on a happy note. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Jason, Matt, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Matt. Thank As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time.